We're starting at the last line on Dav, Kufmem Dalid Ahmed Beis, Masiv Ravina. Ravina asks a question. Tame Mace, you have a person who's Tame Mace. Now, it's important to understand the difference. Before we talked about a Zav, a Zav is stricter in how it conveys Tome. It conveys Tome by moving things, even without direct touch. Okay? But a tummy mace has to actually touch the item to make it tummy. So, if you have a tummy mace, somebody who's came in contact with a dead body, he's squeezing out the olives and grapes, but he's starting off with the size of an egg exactly. So, the moment you squeeze a drop, he didn't touch the liquid. The moment you squeeze a drop and a drop comes out, it's already less than the size of the egg by the time something comes out because it, it, all the material that's in it is what adds up to the egg. So as soon as the one drop leaves, it's already less than the size of an egg. Now, even though the, the egg might be tummy, or whatever, the, 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 gra- the, the olive itself might be tummy, or the grape is tummy, because he's touching that directly, that has to be metama, the liquid that comes out of it. It's not able to be metama, the liquid that comes out of it, because in order for food to be metama, liquid, it has to be the size of an egg. Well, as soon as you squeeze it a drop, it's a drop less than the size of an egg. So that's the concept. So tummy mace sachad zeisim If you have a tummy mace who squeezes olives and grapes, kibbeitz and mechuvenes, and it's exactly the size of an egg, tahar, the liquid that comes out is tahar, because it never came in contact with Tame food, the only way for the liquid to become tame is if it touches either the tame person directly, which it's not, or, or it's in contact with tame food that's the size of an egg, which is not anymore by the time it came out. Okay? How you also But if it is more than the size of the egg, tame, then it will be tame. Meaning, if I start off with, with an egg and a half, and now I squeeze the drop off, so now I still have the size of an egg and the liquid came out already. It came in contact with the food that's tummy and now the liquid is tummy. Okay? Hayosem it's a tummy. Now why? If the, the rule as you state is that a liquid that comes out of a solid but it's going into a food and it's going to be, let's say I'm squeezing out the, the grapes to flavor my rice and therefore it's considered as it drips out food. Well, then the rule of food is going to have to apply to the, uh, to the liquid that comes out. And therefore, where was there a heksha? There's no heksha. It's a food. Food needs heksha to become a tumor. There's no heksha on this new, this new food that came out. This is a different food. It's the liquid. But it's the liquid that's food and needs a heksha. There's no heksha. So that's the question. So he raised the question. This is I'm sorry, Venus' question. He gave the answer. You're right. The only way that the squeezing of the grapes and olives will be problematic if it's more than the size of an egg is if you're squeezing it out for liquid purposes. Because then it does not need a haksha. Only food, only fruit or the, themselves, food needs a haksha to be kabotuma, not liquids. And, that, and it, obviously, the only time this is problematic is if it's a liquid. Okay. Okay. Amr Abiyamiya Kitanai. This question of whether food that or, uh, that's that's being squeezed out, the liquid that's squeezed out of food, to go into food, whether it has a din of food already or uh, has a din like liquid, 
That question is a machlogus tanoim. Where do we see that? Hamachlog ba'anavim. Okay, when we uh, when we make bread or challah, so you want to make a nice brown color and make it look pretty on top. So we usually use what's called an egg wash. You have a you know, scrambled egg, whatever they put some other stuff on it, and then they rub it on the surface, and it makes a beautiful uh, appearance to the baked goods. Now you could do other. You don't have to use that material. You could use other material to smooth the surface of the bread. So hamachlik ba'anavim. Let's say you used grapes to smooth the surface of the bread. Meaning, what you do? You squeeze the grapes to put the grape juice on the surface of the bread, and that's what'll give it a nice appearance of the finish on the bread. Okay. So hamachlik ba'anavim loy hochsher. That doesn't. Then it's not hochsher lekabotoma. Even though you're making the bread wet, it doesn't matter. Rabbi Yudah says, yes, it is. So what's the machlok? It's my love. Seemingly, this is what the dispute is. One says, look, the liquid that comes into food is a food. And where's the haksha on the bread? There's no haksha because it's not making, it's, it never got wet. It's, um, this is not considered liquid anymore because it's, it's as, as if it's food that's going on there. So there's no hachshah. No, it's not. It's a liquid. And the liquid that got the, the bread wet makes the bread subject to tumah. So Papa, so Papa says, not necessarily true. What? I'm sorry, what's the question? No, no, but it, it, it's it's going into a food, so therefore it has a din like food. And food needs haksha. There was no haksha. Oh, well, the, the definition of food... Okay, I understand the question. The definition of food is not whether you're going to eat it yet. The definition is, is this a food item or a drink? That's the question. So it is a food item. Yeah, we'll bake it off and it'll become... We'll see what the... We'll get to the next line. We'll see that there's a difference far over here. What is that? Okay. Um, so the question is, right? So Amar Papa, no, you're wrong. Dikuli Ama, it could be both sides agree. Mashka bala ochel, lav ochel. A drink, a liquid that goes on to food is not food. Who's talking about it? It's still a, li- a liquid. But the hacha bimashka bali ibud kamifliki. The difference is, is that this liquid that you're putting on the bread, that's not going to remain. You're baking it off in the oven. Where's that liquid going? Nowhere. It's getting destroyed. As soon as it goes in the oven, the it gets it gets it goes up in steam. Okay, and it disappears. So therefore, it's what we call a mashka that's that's bali ibud. That's it's coming to be destroyed. That's a machlokas. Okay, Mar Savar Mashkut says, listen, it's it's still a mashka because bottom line is when it goes on, it's a liquid. Who cares what's gonna happen once you bake it off? And Mar Savar La Mashku, since the end of this mashka is that it disappears, it's gonna be baked in, in, and then in the heat it's gonna be gone. So therefore, it's not a mashka ready. It's never a mashka because I know what's gonna happen to it. Okay? That's the machlokas. It's different than something that goes in, like a liquid that goes into food that stays as liquid in the food. It makes the food juicy. That's a different discussion. And there, everybody would agree maybe that it's a, that it's a liquid. So it's not, we don't see it's machlogas tanoim, and that's the story. 
Um, now, what they're arguing it is the same machlokas as this other tanoim. Okay, if anybody is uh, an olive uh, aficionado, they know there's something called cracked olives. And uh, they, it, it's, uh, it, I don't know what it is, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, olive that's been crushed and you actually crack the, the pit also, they, uh, it just has a different taste, okay? Uh, anyway, so the bottom line is, um, they used to do that, they used to crack the olives, and his hands are tummy. The, since you like the juice that comes out, so it becomes hoksha. Uh, it's hoksha lekabotuma because I want the liquid to come out. But if I'm only crushing the olives, not to, not for eating, but it's to to because uh, I'm trying to salt it. So I'm, I want the salt to go everywhere, including inside. So I'm cracking it so that the salt can enter there. So I really don't want the liquid to exude because I'm first trying to sort of process these olives. So therefore, it's not actually hoksher yet. Now, what if I'm crushing it to see if it's ready for, um, if it's ready for, for the press? You know, because as it ripens, then that's when the oil is at its peak, and that's when it's the proper time for pressing. So you're sort of checking for it. So basically, I, if, it, if that's what I'm doing, I'm crushing it to find out if it's ready. Imlav. Lo hoksher, it's not hoksher. Because again, I don't want the oil out yet because I'm not in the, it's not in the press. I'm just testing, you know, to see how ripe the olives are. Bottom line is there's different reasons why you're crushing the olives. And they all make a difference. Rabbi Udom or hoksher, he says, no, if it's lemasuk, then it's hoksher. My love, so what's the machlokas? My love, here's the machlokas. The marsa, mashka, omed li'ibud, mashku. And since I'm, anyway, the, the uh, uh, since, one opinion is is that this when I'm squeezing now to test it, I'm not going to capture that olive oil. It's going to be lost. So is it a mashka or isn't it a mashka? That's the machlokas. The one who says that it's hochsher says that it's it's still a mashka. Bottom line is, it's a, even though I'm not going to have it anymore. I'm not, but I'm testing to to see if how much oil whether the it's whether it's ready to press. So therefore, it's still. Oh, and the other opinion says that it's that's Rebuta and the Tanakama saying it's low because it's going Libut. And that's the Machlokas. So the Gemara says, actually, you're right and you're wrong. This second Machlokas is indeed, that's what they're arguing. A Mashka that's going to waste. That's correct. But the tanoim of the first thing about the bread and the squeezing of the grape onto the bread surface to smooth the surface, that's actually a different thing. Because that actually, you, it's not li'ibud over there, really. It's there to smooth the surface of the bread, right? When you have the bread, it's naturally lumpy. But if you take some water on the surface and or liquid and then you rub it, it can smooth it and make it look pretty, right? So that's that is an effect. It's not liibud. Liibud means that it's gone over there. It's not really gone. The effect is still there. It made a, it made an impression on the on the bread. It made it look differently. 
Okay? So that's Litzachtuchot, to shine it up. That is a different machlokes. That's what he's saying. Now, You can squeeze, back to our discussion, you can squeeze, bottom line, this is Rav Chibarashi in the name of Rav, you can squeeze a, a cluster of grapes into your pot of food, banana to your platter, which has which is contains liquid, because that is still a drink. And also, when it comes to fish, you're squeezing the fish to get out the fish juice. That's also allowed. And the reason why is because fish juice, even though it's a liquid, it's still defined as a food. Okay, it's never it's never really changes its status. It's just the liquid part of the fish, but it's not really defined as a drink. Okay. it over. So Abai said to Rav Dimi, you know, I, I got a problem, but you don't got a problem. You have this as a, as a, as a source from Rav. Therefore, you have no difficulty. My version is that this was a quote, this halacha was a quote from Shmuel. And therefore, I have a kasha because it's a contradiction in Shmuel. Does Shmuel say that when you squeeze a, a fish and for the juice of the fish to come out, that it's even into a platter which is meant to maintain the liquid part of it, is still not, not a problem? Pickles, okay, any pickled item that's being squeezed out, you squeeze out the juice of the pickle. If it's because I want the, to squeeze it out because I'm eating the pickle, Mutter, then it's fine. But if it's because I want the pickle juice, so then potter avalaser. Then I'm not chayev, but it's a potter avalaser because it's, it's not an Easter daraisa, but it's rabbinically prohibited because I'm squeezing it out for the juice that's inside. Vishalakos, and what about cooked vegetables? Bain lukufa, and I'm squeezing out the cooked vegetables to get the juice out. Whether it's because I want it out of the food that I'm about to eat, I don't want it too juicy, or it's because I want the drink, the liquid out, that's what I'm planning to get. Mutter, it's still going to be mutter. The reason is because the, the liquid of the, of, the, of the soup, of the cooked vegetables, is defined as the food. It's not, even, though it's, even though it's a drink, but it's defined as a food because it, it's like the... It's the essence of the of the of the food, and it stays as it has a din as food. and Shmuel says, That's always going to be potter v'lasser. So we're saying that the cooked juices of the fish should be the same thing, and should be potter v'lasser. And here he's saying it's mutter; it's a contradiction. So So what did he tell him? So Rabbi said, "Tabaye." Halakim, I can swear, the This is I'm I'm a first-hand information, meaning I heard it directly. Okay, I heard it straight from Rabbiyermia. and I know where Rabbiyermia got it from. He heard it from Rabbiyermia. For Rabbiyermia, got it from Rabbiyermia. And Rabbiyermia said in the name of Rav, my line of where the source comes from, straight back to Rav, is. Impeccable, and therefore I'm not. Therefore, therefore you could trust me that it's 
Rav's memra, not Shmuel's memra, then that saves you from your contradiction. So once we mentioned the pickles, so that took us to a whole new discussion. So Gufa, we have here, uh, going back on the pickle case. Kvashim Shesachtan, when you squeeze out a pickle, Amarav, the Gufa on Mutter. If I'm squeezing it out because I want my the juice out of the pickle, I don't want it too juicy. That's, that's fine. But if I want the juice of the pickle, because I want the pickle juice, that's potter of Allah. So that's rabbinically prohibited. Fishlokos by the cooked vegetables, being the gufa, being the main, regardless of why, mutters can be mutter. That's Shmuel's opinion. That's the second opinion. For Rabbi Yochanan, Amar, he says a third opinion. So we have two opinions, three opinions is. Amr echad kvashim vechad shlokos, both pickles and cooked vegetables. The gufa mutter, the meimen, not only is it potter of al-asr, chayiv chatas. Okay. So we got three opinions. Rab is the most lenient, Shmuel's middle, and uh, Rav Yochanan is the more stringent one. So what's the deal? So Mesve, we have a question. Sochten kvashim bishabes, litzorich hashabes. You can squeeze out the, the, the pickled items. On Shabbos, for the sake of Shabbos. If I want to have my pickles drier for after Shabbos, that I'm not allowed to do. But if it's for Shabbos, it's fine. You can't squeeze olives and grapes. If you do, it's chayv chatas. Okay? So, kasha l'rav, kasha l'shmuel, and kasha l'rabiyochanan. This, actually, this source is not fitting in with any of the aforementioned opinions, okay? Um, because it doesn't make any difference. We said squeezing pickles, we didn't distinguish whether it's Lugufan or Lemashkin, okay? And that makes a big difference according to everybody. So how do we explain this according to each opinion? So the answer is, Rav Metaretz Tamei, um, Shmuel Metaretz Tamei and Rabbi Yochanan Metaretz Tamei. Each one is going to explain it according to their understanding. So, going through one at a time. Rabbi Metaretz Tamei, Sochten Kvashim B'Shabbos, L'Tzorach HaShabbos. Avalol L'Motzah Shabbos. You can squeeze a pickled item for my Shabbos needs, because I want to eat the pickle on Shabbos, and I don't want it too liquidy. L'Tzorach Shabbos, but not Motzah Shabbos. B'Medvar Mamor, when is that true? L'Gufan, that's if I want it for the pickle's sake. If I want the juice, potter of Allah, then it's rabbinically forbidden. And if it's cooked vegetables, that's how he reads it. So you've got to like, sort of put the proper conditions in order for the halacha to be accurate. Shmuel also can explain it his way. You squeeze out a pickle on Shabbos, for Shabbos' sake. Who are din l'shlakos, and that's the same exact halacha for shlakos that you can squeeze it for Shabbos' sake, and what in both of them, the medvar more. When is that true? The gufan, if it's for the food itself, avalo meimen. If I want the juice out of it, pata avlaso, then it's rabbinically forbidden. That's already a whole other level because that's actually normal to squeeze it for the liquids. That's its primary purpose. So therefore, it's it's a chiyuv chatas. That is how Shmuel answers. Yochanan mitarz tamei soften kvashim l'tzorach hashabbos avlolu motzeh shabbos echad kvashim echad shabbos. Both pickles and cooked vegetables is the same. B'medvar mor legufan avlemeimei lo yischot. You can't do it for their liquid. 
If you do, it's not any less than trying to squeeze olives and grapes on Shabbos. On all of them. So the Zeisim is in, is saying that's what will happen if you pour the liquid, then it has the same status as olives and grapes. And that's how they all answered in their own way. Now, Amr of Chibrash Amarav, Dvar Torah. From the Torah's perspective, the only thing that you actually are chayiv minat Torah for, sque- for squeezing out and separating is only olives and grapes. Because that's the only one, uh, only fruits that are their primary purpose is to produce the liquid, and therefore that's the Isra Torah. The Chaintan of Nasha, the school of Benasha says the same thing. That's one din. Another din, in general, when I want to say a testimony, I need to be the primary source of that. I witnessed with my own two eyes. If, I, if, if somebody told me and I'm sharing it to you, that's called aid me pi aid. I heard it from another person. So, the only time one witness in the name of another witness is kosher is elel edus isham levadas. Only in the case where we're testifying about a woman to say that she's free to marry because her husband is deceased. So, even if I didn't see the husband deceased, but my good friend was there and says, oh, he, uh, this guy so-and-so died. He passed the information to me. I can be the one to pass it on to, uh, to the Besdin. And she, that would be sufficient evidence that the woman is free to marry, even though it's not first-hand information. Okay? That's the only time aid me paid is acceptable. Okay, so once we've gotten to Amy P.A., we sort of get a little bit sidetracked in this topic. So, the question is, What about Amy P.A. as far as testimony for firstborn? What's the halacha then? So, meaning, let's clarify. So, the halacha is like this, okay? So, just so you understand, when a Kohen has a Bechor, they're naturally suspect by by before we suspect them of uh, of wanting to put a blemish in the animal because as it before stands it needs to go and be brought as a carbon nowadays it seems no more than nothing they could do with it because there's no base of mikdash but even in those times they were suspected because as a carbon they get a very minute amount if it's if it's uh, if it has a blemish though. So then it's, a, uh, it, then it's completely theirs. They can do with it as they please. They have a full value of the animal, basically. So they're suspected of putting a blemish in. Kohanim, we don't trust them. Now, so therefore, if, they're, if while it's in their hands, there's a, and, and we know that it was given to them without a blemish, and now it has a blemish, so we don't, we don't trust them. We, they, we need a witness that says, hey, this actually... Is uh, was done by itself. It was going in this. You know how the accident happened. Okay. So in those, th- the question is, can we trust an aid me aid? The guy who testified, what didn't see it, but he was told by somebody else who saw it. Is that good enough? And the reason why we ask that is because actually we, he needs a witness, but it doesn't need to be a kosher witness. If a woman comes in and says. Even though normally that's that rust that we don't we don't accept a woman as a witness, but in this case we do. 
So for Eidus Bechor, do we accept Eid Mipied or not? So if Ami Asir, if Rav Asi Shari, Rav Ami says, prohibited, we're not trusted, and Rav Asi says, yes, it is permitted. Am Rav Ami Rav Asi, so Rav Ami said to Rav Asi, what do you, how can you argue on me? We have the Tanad Vimnashu who says Beferish, that we only trust the aid we paid by Eidus Isha to free the woman to marry. So he, what did Rav Asi respond? Not the Eidus Isha, but an Eidus where we trust women, then aid we paid is also acceptable. Meaning, any time where the to- where we know that a woman is is accepted as a testimony, or it's also accepted as an Amy Piet as well. Now, Rav Yemer, Rav Yemer, Achshem Amy the Bechor, he did permit it, and currently Meremer Yemer Shari Bochra. They gave him a nickname of Meremer, the permitter of firstborns. But the bottom line, Halachi is Amy Piet Kasher Bechor. He is correct, and we paskin like Meremer, like Rav Asi, that in fact the Bukhar is permitted. Okay. Brings us to the next thing. Chalos Devash. Okay, so we mentioned in the Mishnah that the honeycomb, they used to score it in advance, and then it would slowly drip out over uh, over uh, over um, the, the, uh, over Shabbos. And we saw a machlokas whether it's permitted or prohibited. Okay, one opinion said it's prohibited. The juice, that, the honey that comes out, other one says it's permitted. Now, kiasa ravoshi, I ravoshi came from narda. Asa b'aisim asvisviyate. He brought a brisa. What did the brisa say? Zeisim anavim sheriskan meir shabbos. You have grapes and uh, or olives that were that were um, also cut up before shabbos. And then the liquid oozes out over Shabbos. Asurin, they're prohibited. For both say that it's motor. So Amr of Yosef. So Rav Yosef says, What are you trying to teach me from this Mishnah? Gavri You're trying to tell me, oh, by the way, it's not only Rabbi Yazar, it's also Rab Shimon. Basically, you're telling me nothing new from what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah said Rabbi Yazar allowed it. And you're telling me, oh, by the way, Rabbi Shimon also allows it. Because what's the difference? It's the same thing. It's cut from before Shabbos, and it's coming out on Shabbos. Same thing, same difference. So Abayi says, no, no, no. This is a bigger chiddish. Tuva kamashmon. There's a big chiddish here. Why? The Ima Mastisa, from the Mishnah's perspective, What is a honeycomb? Food. What is honey? It's interesting. Honey is not considered a drink. It's considered still food. So it's coming from food to food. So therefore, the, the, if you start the process from before Shabbos and it comes out on Shabbos, there's more of a reason to say it's allowed. As opposed to over here, by the case of the olives and grapes, it starts as a food. It's coming into being a liquid, a drink. Maybe there, Rabbi Leazar wouldn't stick to his opinion. That he does stick to his opinion. Besides for the fact that Rabbi Shimon agrees with him, there's a, that we see that he takes his position even that step farther, and that's why it's a worthy, um, it, it, that's why it's a, a chiddush, a worthy chiddush. Okay, moving us to the next mishnah. Kol Shabbos, Shorin also Anything that was cooked, basically from before Shabbos, so it came into hot water. It was cooked already from before Shabbos. 
Shabbos, I wanted to, I want to eat it now, I can actually soak it in hot water on Shabbos, and it's fine. It's not really cooking, I'm not really doing anything significant, it's previously cooked, so there's nothing wrong with that. Bechos shaloba bechamen mer Shabbos. Okay? Medichin also bechamen b'Shabbos. I can't actually soak it, but I could rinse it in hot water. It's like, make it lukewarm. It's okay. That's, that's legal. Medichin also bechamen b'Shabbos. Chutz min There are two exceptions. What The meliacha yashan, which is basically salty fish from like old, like the previous year, a year old salty fish, which I rinsed, basically it's so salty you really can't eat it. You rinse it off and then it gets rid of a lot of the salt and then it's edible. So that's uh, one thing. Uh, which is another type of also very, very salty fish. Okay? Because by you rinsing it with the hot water, that actually makes it edible. Before and you couldn't eat it and now it makes it cooked and it makes it edible. So that's prohibited to do those two material, even rinsing is prohibited because that's what finalizes it and makes it able to be eaten. That's the Mishnah. So the Gemara, Kegomai, what are we talking about was, is, is, is referring to this thing that was Babachamen from before Shabbos. And is, so what are we talking about? Kegomai, what's the example of a Babachamen that you could soak it in Chamen on Shabbos? So Amrav Safra Kegom, Tanagul to the Rababa. Like the chicken of Rebaba. Fascinating food item here. From Reb Safra, what is this chicken of Rebaba? Basically, Rebaba had a chicken that basically was kept in hot water for a very, very, very long time for medicinal purposes, and it basically completely broke down and became like a puree uh, sort of, uh, without without having to grind it down. It just It just basically completely lost its form into the liquid, okay? It's like a very thick type of chicken soup that's been sitting for a very long time. And that, it's taken medicinally, and that is what it means. It was Babacham from before Shabbos, and it's allowed to be put in Shor Bechamin on Shabbos. Now, I'm Rav Safra. Zim Nechada Iklas Lassam. One time I went to Rebaba. Rebaba lived in Eretz Yisrael. The Ochlem and I ate some of it. He gave me some, uh, some of his chicken soup to eat. If you wouldn't have given me uh, a chaser of some very strong wine, okay, which is meaning a you know, three-year-old wine, it's I would have totally vomited up the 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 the, the chicken because this whatever it was that he gave me because it tasted so nasty, okay. Now, so we got here a little interesting of a dispute. Um, and uh, the the solution here is okay. But apparently this was uh, so. What happened? Reb Yochanan Rayik Mikutach Okay, there's this there's this dairy dip that's made out of spoiled milk, as we know, that's very popular in Bavel. Reb Yochanan was from Eretz Yisrael. When you even brought to his attention the mention of Kutach Bavloi, he would have to spit out the taste in his mouth because of his. It would automatically make him nauseous about the taste and smell of that food item. Okay, so he was. So when Rabbi Yochanan was right, so 
so that was a bit insulting to the Babylonians who considered it a delicacy. So Amar of Yosef, Okay, you you know you spit from uh, from from our food. Well, guess what? We spit from uh, Reb Abba the Eretz Yisrael chicken soup that you know smells so strong, tastes so strong that you know makes us want to throw up. Okay. Vaod Amar Vaod, and then Rav Yosef is augmenting his position. Amar Amar Rav Gaza, Rav Gaza says Zimna Chadik class. Last one time I went to Eretz Yisrael. Now, Rabbi Yochanan, don't think that you're representative of all of, of, all of Eretz Yisrael regarding whether Kutach Bavli is a good food or not. What happened was, is Rav Gaza went to Eretz Yisrael, and I made this dairy dip this, that's made with spoiled milk, etc. Every person in Eretz Yisrael, all the sick people, were dying to try some of this in Eretz Yisrael because of how delicious and how effective it is and how good it is. So don't make fun of our foods, basically. Okay. So that's the story. Now, we mentioned in the Mishnah the, that the last group is Meliach Yashan and Kulius HaVisponin are even not allowed to be rinsed. So, Kol Shalom Babachamin, anything that's not Babachamin, um, is um, uh, anyway, so th- that's the Mishnah. So, Hidiachmai, what if you did rinse this Kulius Haspanin or the Meliach Hayashan? Mai, what level of transgression is that? So, I'm Rav Yosef, Hidiachayev Chatas, that's Mamsh Chayev Chatas, that's like cooking, and it's totally, it's a, it's a Chivda Raisa. Amar Marbreda Ravina, Afanana Mitinina, the Mishnah says, oh, is, implies that. It's its finish. Shmamina, which sounds like it's Doraisa level. Now Yosef So we have here a fascinating account here. Rebchibar Abba and Reb Asi were sitting before Reb Yochran in Eretz Yisrael. The Yosef Reb Yochran become a name. Reb Yochran happened to be dozing at the time. Why is it that the birds in Bavel are fatter and juicier, full of fat, and the birds in Eretz Yisrael, skinny little birds that basically have no meat on them, no, no fat on them? So why is that? So so he's like, what are you talking about? Go to Gaza. That's not true. He, he was offended, basically. He says, that's not true. In Eretz Yisrael, there's plenty of fat birds. You just have to find them. Okay? That's all. All right. Next question. Why is the, it's, it, the holidays in, in Bavel are much more joyous than the ones in Eretz Yisrael? In Eretz Yisrael, it's no, holidays are no big deal. But in Bavel, big deal. It's a much more a joyous occasion. They're all happier. On holidays, what's the difference? So, what is the answer? The reason is because they're so poor. All the all year long, they're working like a dog. Eretz Yisrael was considered much in the time of the Gemara was wealthier than Bavel. So, Bavel, there was no time to celebrate because they're working like a dog, except for Yomtev. So on Yomtev, it was a bigger deal, the contrast from being poor all year long. And now they're celebrating the, uh, on the Yomtev, 
it was much more blood. But if you're living it up all year long, every day of your life, so then uh, it's not a big, it's not, the yamtiv is not a big a, a contrast, and therefore it's not as joyous. That's what he said. Next question, Why is it that the scholars in Bavel are so uh, dressed like they wear a frock and they have like a beautiful, in Bavel, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, they have like the Sephardi style of all the beautiful robes, colorful robes, they look like, uh, they look like a king. And in Eretz Yisrael, the scholars uh, look like a schlepper. What's the deal? Why is it that the scholars are so my answer is Lafisha <laughs> in You want to know why? Because in Bavel, the people don't have a, a way of knowing whether someone's a scholar or not, because after all, they're uh, not scholarly themselves, so they're not real mivinim, not experts, and therefore, you know, you don't know if the guy's a tamal chacham, except if he dresses, you know, up like one. But as opposed to in uh, in Eretz Yisrael. They can tell by, by talking to him and learning, and they'll know that this guy's the real deal, and therefore they'll give him the respect, so there's no need to dress up. Okay? So it's interesting how he's like defending Eretz Yisrael from Bavel here. Um, why is it that Goyim have a stench to them? What's the deal with that? So the answer is, They eat non-kosher food, and that makes them smell bad. Okay. That moment Rabbi Yochanan woke up. Amrlo, he said to them, Dardaki young ones, Lakachamartilchem, don't you didn't I tell you once in the past? And more Lakhma Khosiat. Say to Chachma, you are my sister. Meaning, in Baril Khadavar Kachoska, if it's something that you're clear on. As your sister, that she asurlah, meaning you have no questions, you know understand it, you're you're sure. So then, okay, I'm ready, then say it. You should have said you don't know the answer. You're making up the answers as you're going. Not impressed. What? Okay, we're happy. Amen. What? Tell them what it is. So he says, okay, I'll tell you each of them what the real reason is. Why is it that the birds in Babel are fatter, tastier than the ones in Eretz Yisrael? Simple. Their birds are stayed, they never exiled. So if, you, if you're flying all over the place, traveling far and wide, then you get skinny. But the birds that are staying in their place, they don't ever do anything. They're, they, they, they're, they're, they're fatter. Okay? Shinemer. And that's a puzzle. Shanan Moab Urav. The Moab was always at, at their location. Vishakatu And calm. Al Shmarov. And therefore, everything's... They've never been to exile. And therefore, things that don't go to exile are able to be fatter and more... Uh, plumper and not 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 as opposed to the exile. Where do you know the birds also exiled? I understand we went to exile from Eretz Yisrael, but what about the birds? There was no man who passed through Yehuda for fifty-two years. Everybody left. Okay, the animals. It was like bereft of all. Animals even, even birds were gone. All the, uh, basically it was it was desolate during the period of time. Basically, it wasn't a full seventy years of the exile after Bais Rishon, but there was fifty-two years of nothingness. And how do I know fifty-two? Because um, uh, the pasuk says Behema, right? 
Behema Bigamacha Chamsin Vitart. That's 52. Behema is 52. You do the numerical value, it equals 52. Okay. Um, anyway. In the end, when we got back to Eretz Yisrael, all the animals and all the birds all came back. There's one fish that couldn't make it back, and that is the Kulis Hespanin. Basically, there's these, the water in Bavel travels upwards, these, the, is able to climb up into the highest point in Eretz Yisrael. And Vahai, um, and this fish couldn't make it. Kevin Delo Sharu Shatri doesn't have a very strong spine. It's not able to make the trek upstream, and therefore it, uh, it, that's why it couldn't, it, couldn't, it can't do it. Next, I'm sorry that we're over time, but if it's okay, I'd like to at least finish the daf. Why is it so joyous, the holidays in Bavel? Simple. They never got the curse. What's the curse? So part of the curse uh, in was that the that the holidays aren't going to be as joyous anymore, and that was to Eretz Yisrael, and they never established that curse in Bavel. This, by the way, in case you didn't realize, was exactly the Aftorah of. This past Shabbos, Chazon Yeshayo. Okay? Um, but what does it mean? What does it mean that it was a bother? It's bad enough that the, the, Israel, the Jewish people are sinning for me. I gotta rack my brain, so to speak. God's saying to come up with a new Xera to get them in the, to, to behave. So it's like it's it's like a it's a tircha, it's a bother to have to think of uh, a new way to, to, to punish them. Every holiday there was always somebody at, uh, coming to attack and making it miserable. Every holiday there's always something going on. Now the last what what about this one? What's the pshat in that? That's another reason. That's because they're not locals, and they don't know them from before. If I'm in my own town, shmai, they go. I could go by my name, and they'll know who I am because they are, they recognize me. So therefore, my name speaks for itself, and they'll give me the respect that, that's necessary. Below Masa, but if I'm in a, a foreign town, Tosvai, my clothes, how I carry myself, my dress, that's what gives me the respect that I need. So therefore, since they're not locals, the people who are the scholars in Babel, they come from other places, so therefore they need to dress up so that they'll be realize that they're Tamit Chachamim. Habam Yashish Yaakov, Yatsin Zuparach Yisrael. So what is that? Tanu Rabbi Yosef, Yelu Tamit Chachamim, Babel, Sha'osin Tzitzin, Uprachim Torah. They make, uh, uh, they beautify, they make growths for Torah, and that's what it's referring to. But basically, it's coming to show that they're uh, that they dress beautifully, but it's not because the people in Bavel are not beni Torah. It's because they're not coming from there. They're they're coming from other places, and I guess we could uh, stop over here. The last one of why the Gentiles smell bad, and we'll save that for Motzei Yom. 
Matzah Tishabav, and it's a pleasure learning with you. Sorry we went overboard, but uh, I'm glad we got, uh, you know, we got it done.